It's everybody. What's up? We're going to Fox Sounds and Podcast. This is me and Sam Stafford Demick. Tip Stafford Demick. It's Avery. It's Avery. Special guest. Special guest? What's his name? What's your name? Susie P. Lynn. Susie P. Lynn. Yay! Yes! Get over here, Seth Theory. Get over here. Since you've last heard from Seth Theory, Seth Theory has turned how old? He's holding up 10 fingers, and that is the wrong answer. 14, <laughs> Seth Theory. 14. 14. 14, baby. 14, baby. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, and we had to shave his face. Oh, there's the day up. I know, oh, I know, my I know. Goodness. He's got a beard like Tim Stafford. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know. Yeah. Very exciting. So yeah. we've had a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful Christmas break, a yeah. celebration of Seth Theory's birthday. Yes. 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 Anything else you want to let the people know? Um, yeah. Okay, what? So, hey, buddy, we're going to Fox Star Wars podcast. Yep, welcome. This, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. You, you bet. Um. Okay, who is Tom? Pray to pray together. We're gonna pray together. Okay, talk close to here. Okay. Right, we're praying uh, evidently. Okay. Nice. God, we're starting the show off with prayer. Yes, God. Okay. Figures day for, for, for Fox RC podcast. Figures coming. Um, um Tim and Stephen and Susie Payment and Seven Day Mike and um, yeah. Secret. Um, I I love Susie Payment. I love you. Yeah, we love, love Susie Payment. I miss you. And we miss you. I, I love you. Wow. Oh. That was wow. amazing. Wow, thank you. Yeah. Amen. Sandy, I love you too. Amen. Amen. She said that she Susie said she loves you too. <laughs> yes. Nate. What about Nate? Nate yeah, oh yeah, Nate just texted. That's right. All right. So theory. Yes. All right. We are wrapping up. Oh yeah. 2022. Oh, Pfizer two. Yeah, what was the best <laughs> thing about the last year? And next year? No, for you. What was the best thing about the last year for you? Um, now what? <laughs> what? Um, I love the Voxology podcast. You love the Voxology podcast. Well, yes. I mean, I think you're not alone in that. <laughs> there are at least three people we know of, and they're all related to us, who yes. love it as well. Um, let me see the beer. Yeah. I, 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 I picked out to Mr. Evans and Yep. Big shout out to Bonnie Lewis. Bonnie Lewis, absolutely. We're doing big oh. shout outs. Um, Mr. Evans, his teacher. Uh, Bonnie Lewis, yes. Uh, big shout out to Andy Bear. Andy too. Bear. Oh, I like this. Uh, He's big shout out to Susie P. Lynn. Susie P. Lynn, big shout out to Joseph, to Mike, and Tim Stafford, the Fox OC podcast. That's right. The Fox podcast. Nice. Big shout out to us. Yes. Sally, great job, buddy. I love you. Blow kit. We just blew kisses. It's him. Hit that, hit that Seth theme song. Hit that Seth theme song, baby. Seth, please. It's Bam. Well, if you are not properly welcomed into the new year by that introduction, we can't help you. Yeah. That That is how you start it, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it was. We are indeed joined by Susie Lind, whose middle initial is not P. But for some reason, um, it has become so. Um, and, and it's not Susie, and it's not you know Mrs. Lind. It's Susie P. Lind, one word, uh, as an identifier. So, so anyway, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. This is, we're recording it on the last day of 2022, but you'll hear it 
on the second day of 2023. So this is literally a time warp. Uh, the ages are coming together. Susie, Tim, how are you both? How was Christmas? Give me, just give me a flavor of the celebration of the holidays in your home. Oh, wow. Susie, go first. Mm. Okay, hold on. Tim, well, I don't know what you're doing. Tim Stafford is recording now, standing up. He's, and he's like dancing. And he's doing some sort back. of aerobics. My some back sort of aerobic is screaming thing. right now, so I'm trying to get it to, you It's know, like the new mom's way. It yeah. is. I, I, I actually <laughs> rocked a baby to sleep this, <laughs> this in the last couple of days, and I was like, oh, you just lock right back into that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's riding a bike. All right, All right, go ahead, Tim. Tell us a little bit about what's going on. I mean, besides the back, uh, Christmas carrying the podcast. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's a heavy load. The um, we just we went up to the top corner of the state up in the redwoods to visit uh, with my wife's family. It was beautiful. Hiked in the redwoods, went to the sand dunes. It was fun. Played what did, games. What did one stews. dune say to the other dune? What? How you doing? That sounds amazing. We should just stop. Wow. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yep. Let's close a prayer. Susie, what about you? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, Christmas was lovely. This is, I think, I've decided this is my favorite week of the year because, yeah. you know. The post-Christmas week? The post-Christmas week where our offices are closed and I don't have anywhere to be. Like, I can do stuff, but at my own pace and... So it's been really nice and relaxing. So I feel really good. I love it. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, since you guys asked, we had a great Christmas too. <laughs> um, and it was great. No, we, we've had sickness cycling through our, through our home. So there was just joyful, joyful coughing sounds. Tis the season. Tis the season, baby. But, but it was great. Sneezing. It was great because everyone was home and we like each other. And it was great. And Seth Theory was into it for the kind of the first time. Like normally he'd open a couple presents and then go off and do his thing. This year he was shouting at whatever it was, 815. Come on, everybody, it's Christmas. And then he played Santa and it was just hilarious and awesome and funny. And so we had a great time. Anyway. That's awesome. It was awesome. Uh, I want to do a couple of thank yous because um, we have, uh, it has to be, one of the most generous communities in the history of the planet. And so um, I just want to say, uh, say a bunch of thank yous to people who have supported us either through Patreon or tithe.ly. Um, we've had some new folks come on Patreon. Jennifer, uh, Cindy, Dan, Brett, David, Thomas, Elizabeth, and Chandler. Thank you for that. That is absolutely amazing. Go to patreon.com. There are tiers of support, and um, anyway, these folks have come on. And then on tithe.ly, people tend to give, There, you can give regularly, but people tend to give sort of one-time uh, gifts. And so this, I just want to say thank you to Kara and Amanda and Kirith and Kim Ying and Laura and Chris and Mick and Chris and Christopher and wow. Michael and Chris and Jeff and Chantel, Emmanuel, Elaine, Daniel, and one last Chris. So wow. we're, we are... Dude, the Chris's in Hollywood and the Chris's in the Voxology community are like equivalent <laughs> Chris's. There's a big a debate over the Avengers. It's not a yes, coincidence. That's not a coincidence. But guys, I just want to say thank you. What a what a profoundly humbling uh, place to be, where um, 
people think that that the our community is worth investing in and so we're super grateful for that so thank you um we one of the great things about our community as well is that we get super thoughtful questions and emails so um i am going to read uh, a couple of emails and since i have two resident experts on all things god i thought uh we'd we put these questions to That's exactly what my business card says yes all things all, all things god all things so um i recently started working for a church in their youth ministry and i am processing my first couple of months there the church is what you would term a center to set church now that's that's a descriptor we've talked a lot about on the podcast in previous episodes. Uh, and, and when we get through the question, we can maybe review that to make sense of the question he's asking. He, he says, though, his church is willing to sit in theological and biblical gray, and it approaches church life with open-handedness, humility, and nuance. I mean, what a great thing that is. It is a place where I felt theologically at home after not feeling that way for some time, and I'm thrilled about this. I assumed that this type of philosophy about church would filter into how, quote, church is actually done. <laughs> but as I have begun to actually work within my team and the students, I've been surprised by how event-focused the youth ministry continues to be. Most of the work, quote unquote, I've done so far has been helping organize events and preparing talks. While I don't believe that events and 20-minute teaching sessions are inherently bad, I continue to question if this is the best way to actually serve those we are shepherding. The tension I feel is that my team is well tenured within the church body and clearly invested in continuing with some of these events and programs, something that I know will be life-sucking to me. I'm not going to quit, but I'm feeling a lot of tension in being new and pushing for something I deeply believe in while also honoring the well-intentioned work of those who have been our church and doing ministry longer than I have. Should I just expect that an event-driven model is what it means to do church in the burbs in 2022? Or are there small steps I can take to invite our team and students to imagine something different in the pursuit of Jesus? What a phenomenal question. Thank you, dear emailer. Susie P. Lynn, thoughts, well, perspectives, does, paradigms. Do you hear him clearly articulating in that of uh, anything like an alternative to that like is there something he's saying he would rather do than the programs um that's a great question and and you ask wonderfully clarifying questions Susie Pilin. um <laughs> i'm i'm reading this and i don't know if this is accurate to his intention i'm reading this as hey we have this great philosophy uh -huh. of center focus where we're focused on jesus we're uh you know um prioritizing relationships and then when we come to how we actually pull the church off, we're doing it the way that American church has been done the last however many years. And that doesn't right. feel as centered set. So I'm sure he has something in mind. I don't know that he identifies it in the, in the email. Yeah. I mean, welcome to my life struggle every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you, work, you work in a church. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so interesting because I think it takes... Well, I mean, we're all used to that model. I mean, all of us who have, you know, grown up in the church or spent a significant amount of time in the church in the last 20 years are, we've been shaped by that event-driven yeah. model. And 
for those of us who have been in ministry for that long too. I mean, it's embedded in in our job descriptions and what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to pull off church. So like detoxing from all of that is quite a process because I don't know. So the reason why I asked him specifically, like what his, what the alternative is to those, mm-hmm. that's, you know, we have an alternative to programs at our church that we are trying to embed into a new culture. But it is really, really hard when you have people coming to the church who expect, you know, a certain degree of programs because that's what they've been programmed to do. Like for, I stand every week, I stand in our lobby and I have new people that I talk to come to me and ask me what we have for small groups, for example. And we we don't do small groups in the traditional way at our church. So what I want to ask them, and I don't, but what I want to ask them is, do you actually want to go to a meeting with a group of people that you don't know very well in someone's home and commit to doing that every week? And, and will you, will you go beneath the surface uh, in your conversation and make yourself vulnerable to this group of people? Is that really what you're looking for? Or is that just what you've been trained to look for in a church when you decide to go to a church and decide that you want to connect to that body of believers this is what we're used to asking for. Where's your women's ministry? Right. When right. does your when do you have Bible studies? Like all of those things, which are really wonderful things that I personally have grown a lot through, but they're not the they're a means to an end. And when you're trying to do it a different way where where that end goal of formation is really at the forefront and you recognize that that formation process is slow and lifelong and you know, it, it's it's really counterintuitive to what we've all been mm-hmm. accustomed to. So, yep. My guess, believing the best about this person's community that he's a part of, if they if they indeed ha- are trying to focus on being center set, a center set church, is that it's a process of of unlearning and relearning how mm. to mm. reach people without the fear of losing people yeah yep that's good what about you staff this is a question we have we talk about a lot here with young life and different things about how to how to change the model in young life so that it's less event focused where you're just like you know trying to get a couple hundred kids to say yes to jesus and then uh, hope that they navigate that well afterwards to something that's like, how do you, cause the statistics for how many kids remain walking in the faith or however you want to phrase that, yeah. um, leaving high school is the percentage out of young life at least is very, very low. Yeah. So it's like, well, if this, if that's the goal, then the model is not, you know, just data wise, you're not hitting the mark on that. So we're like, how do you better, is it better to walk really intentionally with a small group of kids and give them the tools to navigate life better mm-hmm. and and be able to ask hard questions and that kind of stuff? Is that model a better idea? So for this individual, I, would, I think you're in the best possible position you could ever be in. Your theology sounds, the church, it sounds like the church's theology is not in a place where you have to worry, which is usually the problem. 
Mm-hmm. You're, and then you get to work with kids who are less disaffected by format and process and events in the church and actually have like, if I, if this was me, I would just steer that ship real slow and be really intentional with the kids that I have and, um, and not worry about the church upstairs. Ooh, nice. I, I would say, and I, I, I like what Tim is saying about steering it very slowly because I think also the dilemma that you have with teenagers is they want to be where their friends are. Yep. And so, you know, if, if, if the event is what brings their friends, you know, that there might be a place for some of that, not ruling it all out completely, but keeping the, keeping the goal in mind without having the goal be the event and how many people come to the event and the hype and and all that. We were all trying to remember what, if we even remember the theology that was given to us in high school. And I don't, I don't remember specific things, but I do remember community. And I do Mm -hmm. remember um, having a safe place to be. And when kids are, they want to be where their friends are. And so they're going to choose so if you have a, a place that feels safe and fun and whatever, kids will be attracted to that and they'll come. And then how you decide to seek after those kids in a centered way and in an intentional way, you have a lot of options with that that are kind of fun. But I don't know. I think this person's in a great spot to be able to do good work with kids. Nice. Well, since you guys asked, I'll put my two cents in. Mike, um, I feel like you're you're feeling neglected a little bit today. Like you're sad that we're not asking you. I know, no that, things about yourself. It's kind of a it's uh, it started out as a joke. Now I'm going to reference it every time. Well, you know what I'm going to so, do? I'm going to record a robotic voice, like a Siri voice, just saying, <laughs> "Mike, what are your thoughts?" And I'm going to plug it in after each. Mike, what are your thoughts? <laughs> we're dying to know. <laughs> Stay tuned. No, I'm I'm just I'm just. <laughs> I'm just being playful. I'm actually in a good mood. I don't know about you guys. Tim's rocking. Susie's got this microphone that covers her whole head. And um, when we launch our YouTube channel, you'll be able to see this. So it's, I mean, I'm kind of kind of alone on an island here. But ladies and gentlemen, let me just throw a couple of thoughts out at our dear questioner. Number one, the church, events bring in money. And um, as long as the church is beholden to its givers, then the church will do whatever its givers expect. I mean, that's just simply how it works. And then it becomes a self-feeding cycle where the givers expect great events. um, And so the churches do great events, which further teaches them to expect great events and and further encourages the church to do great events. And so to move away. Well-named events. (laughs) Well-named events. And and there's nothing, I mean, I love love that our- our, This is coming from the heart of megachurch Mike. <laughs> no, it's coming from the heart of American church life. Yeah. I mean, that is that is absolutely uh, the truth of it, and um, and and so you know, I'm 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 of two minds when it comes to do you stay in the system and try to change it, or do you do you blow it up? Because on the one hand, the longer you do events, um, the more people are just cemented into event driven. Life and and I've heard the the argument. Well, yeah, it's not events that are bad, but it's it's what we do with them. But I think events themselves are not neutral. I think they 
they train us, particularly as they are interpreted through the American individualistic consumeristic filter. And so um, I, I love what we're trying to do in our community, but it's rough and we lose lots of people. Um, but but again, if you're fearful of losing people, then why are you fearful of losing people? Like what's sitting behind that? And often it's, you know, the numbers game. Not necessarily everywhere, but certainly in a lot of places. So um, I, I, I totally resonate with what you both are saying in terms of being a seed sort of planted into fertile ground. I mean, it sounds like this is fertile ground, but until you paint the alternative picture, people are just going to agree with you and keep doing what they're doing. Yeah. Right. So you, so the imagination, the, the church imagination has been so stifled because of money that um, it, it takes people on the fringes in youth ministry or a church that really has a, a cemented a leadership team around an, an, an idea or ministry philosophy that they're embracing no matter what, to begin to envision what the alternatives are. So um, I love that we're in the middle, and, and even in Voxology, I mean, we've always been talking about the table, not as an event, but as a way of living. Right. Um, and uh, to, to pull and disciple people away from the large group, you know, dopamine hit event into and away from the pseudo community of a small group into uncomfortable hospitality. I mean, that is, you know, that's years in the making. Uh, that's not something that just happens overnight. So wait, I, can I ask you guys a, before you pivot out? Can I ask you guys a question then based on this with so I, cause now I'm thinking about what Gombus said long time ago about like, you should like be weary of converting people cause you're signing up to walk with them for life. The <laughs> yeah. point of events often is to bring more people into the church. Is that our goal? And, um, because if you can't successfully walk with that many people and love them and see them, etc. Um, should we be event focused at all? Or is that the purpose of an event is to bring, right? So you do huge Christmas services, you do huge Easter services. The idea is that you're getting more people and hopefully they will stick around. I would think that's the church leadership right. idea there. Yeah. But if you can't walk with them, what's the alternative to that? Mm-hmm. That's exactly Well, and that's where, the, that's where it's hard because for me, I don't necessarily think about the money aspect of it you know, as a church leader, but I do think about the people who are invested with themselves, you know? So, you know, for us, for example, we've built our community around this idea of table fellowship. So we have these monthly tables, these monthly community dinners, but in order to make this a good thing and to the, you know, the goal being to walk with people and, not to bring, not having the goal be large amounts of people coming to the church, but having people who come to the church be transformed by the life of Christ with other people. You need you need people who have that share that vision and want to participate in it with you. So yep. that's that's the part that Mike is saying is a very slow process that constantly needs vision and imagination um spoken out about it and to help people see that they're and imagine something different than you know the big flashy event that just right. brings people in and that the more people in the room then this must be healthy that's not true you know right so we we know i mean 
we're going to probably talk about this a little bit later, that just because something has lots of people in it doesn't mean that it's healthy right. and strong. Yeah. So, Like NASCAR. You know, right. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I that's so good. And, and it's funny. So um, at our church, we're going to study the Gospel of Mark. One of the things that's very interesting about how Mark presents his gospel is that the crowds are a bad thing uh, in Mark. They're a character in Mark, and they serve a purpose um, to warn uh, the readers or hearers of Mark that whatever's happening isn't what Jesus would intend to happen. Hmm. Um, the the I mean, and and we can get into that you know down the road, but it's it's super interesting because the, there is a, a heart or a part of me that that absolutely um, has no problem with large numbers. Uh, for me, megachurch isn't a, a size, it's a mindset. It's a set of values and priorities. And that, that can be embodied in a church of 200 or in a church of 20,000. So, I mean, the Bible doesn't shy away from numbers. 3,000 people came to faith, you know, when Peter preached or whatever. But it does shy away from automatically equating numbers with success. Now, we all know that intellectually, but none of us truly believe that. We'd all want large ministries, you know, if we were pressed into it. And so the, the, the experimentation that has to take place, I think Susie's right. It's, it's at the culture building level. It's not at the programmatic level, uh, at least initially. And once you get a group of people signed on for a culture, then we begin to experiment but you can't flip that you can't flip that order so you might have a church that theoretically is center focused and the, theologically awesome but is embedded within you know the stifling constraints of american christian imagination and it's not just going to be well let's not do events then that's the answer there has right. to be a massive culture shift in what it is that we value and prioritize as the church before you know taking any steps away from or into something else so great great job man two experts um and i'll let you guess which two <clears throat> this is a different question and this is somebody who um is so very kind but her uh his wife excuse me was on staff and they recently um stepped down she recently stepped down and they decided to leave the church while stepping down we felt like we still needed to be a part of the same church community to help see through the graduation of some students that we've been heavily invested in. While it has been a strange trying to connect to the small community in a new way, the biggest difficulty has been the slow divergent paths of our faith and that of the congregation as a whole. Conservatism, nationalism, Trumpism, flat earthism, anti-vaxism, Jordan Petersonism, etc. <laughs> Have, All the greatest hits. have slowly become greater influences than what we are comfortable with. We have been loyal stayers and have been attempting to be humble voices of biblical reason, but after a long while, it feels like we are just worn out shock absorbers. Feel, feeling weary and discouraged, my wife and I had much internal debating and hours of tearful discussions that led us to decide that we need to move on to a new community. We are meeting with the senior pastor next month to let him know that we will be transitioning out and we're dreading the conversation. Even though we have encountered a growing amount of, quote, bounded thinking over the past years, we're finding it very difficult to separate ourselves from a community that has been so integral to our lives over the past decade. 
This is all leading us, this is leading to the question I would like to ask you. What does it look like to leave well? Is there a new creation way to show respect, appreciation, and care for others while breaking ties? We've been struggling over that question for almost a year and a half now, and we haven't gotten too much closer to any revelations. It feels like breaking up with someone, but saying, it's not you, it's me. How can we not just pull the God card and bounce? This church has seen a lot of turnover in the last few years, and I know that the senior pastor has taken some of the losses really hard. We don't want to contribute to that pain. First of all, the fact that you're even asking a question like that puts you in, right? in, in such a new creation mindset. Rarely does anyone appreciate the difficulty of seeing friends transition in and out of church communities. So I, lie, I just affirm the crap out of you. Susie, this is something. This is something. That should be a sticker. That should be a Vox sticker. I affirm the crap out of you, Vox. Absolutely, podcast. yes, <laughs> Susie. This I. I was so excited. One of the reasons why I wanted to, um, to bring this question on this episode because I know, I know this is something we, you, you and I have have and our team we've talked a lot about, and so I'm super interested in your thoughts here. What are, what are new creation versus old creation dynamics in the way that you would leave a church community? Well, I too affirm the crap out of dear listener because yeah, the fact that, that they're thinking so deeply about this and so compassionately about it is amazing. Maturity. A very beautiful, mature and new creation way of being a part of the church. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the thing that's the hard, that's always been the hardest for me when people leave a church is the, the are the people who leave in the night without saying anything. Right. Or they they like a they thief in the night. Like everything, if you will. Yeah, like every everything's fine, but it's not. <laughs> right. And right. and there's no you know, it's like being it's like it's worse than the breaking up and saying it's not you, it's me. It's the it's the ghosting. And the, mm. that is so hard because you know you know, for us, like we invest in people, we pray for people, we care for people. And even if we're not in the day to day, like life of people, like there's this level of, of love that we have for people that it makes it really hurtful when people leave without saying anything. And so, um, so I feel that, and I understand why that senior pastor would be struggling with people leaving and i also feel for our dear listener who is struggling with being able to be who they fully are in this community and um, wanting to go in a different direction all those things so i think he's already doing he's already doing the answer to his question basically yeah. yep. you know by being really honest and those those issues that he has with the congregation can be really divisive issues so my only word of advice in leaving well is to be really honest and try your hardest not to be not to contribute to the divisiveness mm -hmm. that those very issues can cause in a community yeah that's good what about you tim what do you think i agree with that i think being in my in my mind that's what living kind of above reproach or something to that effect looks like just being like, hey, 
I'm going to love you and <clears throat> telling you how and why I'm leaving this situation is the best you can do. If they react poorly to that, at least you know you kind of came with good intent and a good heart. But I think mostly, like, I would, <clears throat> I would grab your wife, give her a hug, and, and affirm the crap out of her and make sure that she feels seen and appreciated as she's the one that seems like she's leaving from the uh, position and have a really united foundation at home. Cause I think one of the things I tend to see on like Facebook or whatever, when people leave a church is the text messages that they get afterwards. that are like, I'm praying for your soul. Um, I don't know why you lost Jesus. Yada, yada. Like those kind of things are like you left the church and now you're, damned because of it and the you know and it's always people who are they're really close to sending them these kind of disparaging messages that you have to then learn in a new creation way of saying like hey you know i'm sorry you see it that way or whatever but yeah having um a united foundation at home and kind of appreciating and affirming and loving and that i think is such a like a wonderful thing to have uh in a situation like this to be able to have a united front and feel safe in your home theologically and you know emotionally spiritually yeah that's so good guys i um, think i would add one i would add one thing regarding the students that they seem to really deeply oh yeah. love yeah um that you know there's that it's not an automatic you're out of their lives but i think you sh it's good to um it's good to leave the door open and say, you know, something like, I, we love you, we're always here for you, but allow them and their families to take the lead on that. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I have youth leaders from when I was in high school that are still part of my life. Totally. That doesn't mean it's not, it doesn't mean it's the end of the road for those relationships, but yeah. you do have to be very tender with those. Yeah. Mike, what are your thoughts? Ditto to all of those thoughts. <laughs> So um, a couple of very practical things before we get into some theory. Practically, if you haven't let the senior pastor know what the purpose of the meeting is, it's always great when you get meeting requests like, hey, let's talk, to know what it is that we're talking about ahead of time. Yes. Just so Speaking you give people with anxiety. Yes. Well, you just give the other person the opportunity to be the best selves. They may not yes. choose to be, but don't, you don't surprise them. And, and you're so already so sensitive and caring. You may have already done that, but I would say, Hey, I, I want to let you know, I'd love to get together and, um, and, and talk about our relationship to the community. And I think we're prayerfully considering moving on to a new one. I would just love to have some closure with you and affirm you. Um, and, uh, and thank you for your investment in us. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that allows that senior pastor to be hurt ahead of time. And so he can respond, you know, with his best or she can respond with her best self. The second thing is lead with the bad news in the meeting. Don't, uh, the, the, the buildup, the slow buildup of, Hey, I just want to thank you, you know, <laughs> blah, you know, and then the, the affirmation and then the, but, or, you know, you know what I mean? Just lead simple, clear, direct, and kind. Hey, I just want to thank you so much. We are uh, prayerfully considering moving on to a new community. And I just want to say, and I, I want to take time to, just, to thank you and to let you know what it is that we're wrestling with. Like lead with that first and then unpack and, and be relational. Don't do the big buildup of, you know, it's not you, it's me. The, the other thing, I love that you're sensitive to not playing the God card here because 
Um, the God card is the ultimate, it will just shuts down conversation. And um, I love that you're just willing to say, listen, we're, we're seeing currents in the church that we're just not comfortable with and we don't think accurately reflect the life and teachings of Jesus. And we're seeing that not just here, but in a lot of places, you know what I mean? So it's not just a you senior pastor specific church thing, but it's also a, no, this is what's happening in the Western church and we're deeply concerned about it. And then the biggest, the, the biggest thing, if it's in new creation dynamics, um, is to be uh, an agent of blessing. So we're never gonna talk bad about the community. We're never gonna talk down to the community. We're gonna receive criticism and uh, with blessing. We're just, we're not making anyone, we're, we're committed prayerfully to be an agent of blessing as we leave. And we can't control how other people respond to our leaving. But with those students, when they ask with, with other people, if they question with the senior pastor, however the senior pastor responds, you're committed to just being agent of blessing, um, um, which is what Susie was kind of getting at in terms of how it is that you leave and whether or not those doors stay open with the, the kids. All of that depends on, um, on how, how it is that you posture yourself. Um, and, and I don't mean false, like, hey, let me just do some superficial affirmations so you feel better. I mean an agent of blessing, the sense of telling honest truth about the community in its good and, and um, not so great aspects. You know what I mean? Blessing is inventing something. Blessing is calling out something that's there. And obviously, in a church community, there are great things that are happening. Mm-hmm. So to name those isn't false, but to, to like puff up... Um, so that the the disappointment doesn't hurt so bad, that's false. Because it's going to hurt. It will hurt. Absolutely will hurt. And it's okay that it hurts. Um, Yes. And it's not your fault that it hurts. Um, But it's not your responsibility. But there is a a posture that you carry into this that um, will either add to the hurt or not add to the hurt. So great, great, man, great stuff. Any, Any last words? You guys were money. Those are great points, Mike. I'd like to affirm that. Affirm the crap out of it. Man, dang. Guys, thank you. I feel affirmed. All right. (laughs) The thing we wanted to talk about, we ran this by our Patreon uh, community, and um, they had similar thoughts. Uh, Christianity Today um, wrote an article about their top 20 stories of 2022. And I want to just quickly go over them. Um, literally just reading the headlines from each of them. And then I want to I wanna observe or make observations about the whole list, not just individual stories. Um, because it's just, what, what does this tell us about the state of American evangelicalism in this you know, instance? Or what is it that gives us hope? What is it that, that causes us to lose hope? I mean, whatever, what is, what, just what do you notice? So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to zip through these really quickly. You could obviously go online and find it. Um, but number 20, Hillsong Church. What? What were you? What? What are you laughing at? <laughs> go, go for it. Run. Feels, I'm doing it. Doing it, Tim. I need some like David Letterman top 10 list sound effects. Number 20, Hillsong Church founder Brian Houston resigns. Top leader of global ministry leaves shortly after megachurch revealed a pair of investigations around inappropriate behavior. 
died. Number 19, Queen Elizabeth II, British monarch who put her trust in God. 18, Big Daddy Weave bassist Jay Weaver dies at 42. And um, we have some friends who were very close to him. Uh, number 17, here's who stopped going to church during the pandemic. Everyone. I can answer that right now. <laughs> number 16, what happens when you ask thousands of evangelical women about sex? Susie Lind is here to answer that question. Number 15, <laughs> the Capitol attack on January 6th of 2021 signaled a post-Christian church, not merely a post-Christian culture. Ooh. <laughs> Number 14, go ahead, pray for Putin's demise. The imprecatory Psalms give us permission to push boldly against evil. Mm. Number 13, you'll like this one, Tim Bono's Punk Rock Rebellion was a cry of hopeful lament. Amen. Re you've read that book? Uh, number 12, sexual harassment went unchecked at Christianity Today, reported by Christianity Today. Number 11, should we keep singing Hillsong when all of the, not all, when the megachurch's former pastors are in the news of allegations of scandal, should we keep singing their songs? Number 10, Bible Gateway removes the Passion Translation. I didn't even know there was a Passion Translation. Number 9, stop applauding pastors who publicly confess their sin. Number eight, Jerry Falwell Jr. isn't a hypocrite, but the former Liberty president is a cautionary tale for cultural Christianity. Number seven, $100 million ad campaign, uh, Jesus Gets Us, aims to make Jesus the biggest brand in your city. Number six, <laughs> the top five heresies among ev American evangelicals. Number five, porn is plotless. Faithful love requires a storyline, not just a series of sensations. Okay. Number four, Southern Baptists refuse to act on abuse despite list of sec uh, a secret list of pastors. There's a theme here. Number three, yeah, I wonder. Fantasy role-playing is hurting America. Oh. Now, th I don't think this is meaning sexual. I think this is how the cult of imagined heroism is bringing down our nation's oh. institutions. <laughs> Speaking of that, there's my daughter, Hannah. Numbers two, Matt Chandler steps aside after an online inappropriate relationship. And number one, this is the Southern Baptist apocalypse. Oh. The abuse investigation has uncovered more evil than I ever imagined. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen. What do you think? That was much more enjoyable having you read it aloud than when <laughs> okay, I initially that's true. read that. That's true. That's true. Thank you. It just Thank hits you. different. It Thank hits you. different. I appreciate it. I appreciate that. I'm the bearer of good news. What a list. And it's what interesting what's not on that list, right? Roe v. Wade, was it on that list? Yeah, that's wild. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was kind of a big deal. <clears throat> Are these the most read stories? Is that what makes them? You know what? Great question, Timothy. Leave it it's to you. It's their stories, right? It's it's their yes. most read stories from I that think, publication. Yeah, they said top stories. 20 most read stories of the year are listed okay. below in All descending right. order. Okay, there it is. 20 most read. Okay, so I'm sure they had articles, obviously, on all sorts of other things. But yeah. the most read were these. Yeah. Thoughts? What are, Thoughts, ladies and gentlemen? Or lady and gentlemen? Hmm. Well, there is definitely that theme throughout... And it's interesting because um, Houston's back, right? And yeah. Chandler's back. And right. um, 
is Houston Ball back? was always kind I of floating around. I or well, I think he's is he I don't know if he's back or he's, he's trying doing a, to he's doing I, like a mop up tour. Yeah, he's doing events now. And complaining about uh, how unfairly he was treated in, right. in that instance. I don't know if he's doing that from a Hillsong um, platform or if it's... His I mean, own? Yeah. They're yeah. kind of synonymous, yeah. too, at some point, too. But True. True, true, true. Yeah. So, so they, I mean, I was, I was reading this, and yes, the theme of abuse and scandal. Good Lord. Good Lord. I mean, depending on how you count, that's the majority of the list. Hmm. Right? Yeah. So, someone on Patreon put the, said what the first thing that jumped out is just how white yeah. the topics oh, and the yeah. stories are and white yeah, no. male. <laughs> yes. And the white male celebrity or the white male pastor. Yes. I yeah. think the thing that really pops to me is how um, how do I word this? Like the mm. I don't I, I'm curious what the top five. I didn't read the articles. What the top five heresies are among American evangelicals? But the our, if the, if the top five heresies. Sorry to interrupt you, Tim. If the top five heresies aren't the fact that the other scandals are so prevalent and widely considered normal now then right then right i mean it's like that's the that's the heresy of the church the heresy of the church is an ancient false doctrine practices the heresy of the church is it freaking no longer looks anything like jesus yeah and so i think that's the thing that kind of pops to me is exactly that that the theme of how quickly we move from things or try to recompartmentalize things for the good of the gospel the good of the church or the good of whatever right like oh yes that's, that's our justification the, yeah that's often the theme with men falling from grace you know chandler has been reinstated because it's important to continue the ministry and you know we won't let the devil take his you know his platform or his power or whatever but and you see all the that good with music. like people on twitter um arguing about um the church being super destructive and um ostracizing the lgbtq community but are um so quick with welcoming in actual abusers and mm. and sweeping sexual abuse or trying to justify sexual abuse and the community right. is like these are here's a whole community of people who are consensually mutually loving each other are interested in being a part of a church community and everyone's saying no and then they're comparing them to the sexual abusers these people who are actually abusing other people and you i i bring that up because i just read that last night but i see that kind of theme through these things where even with like the queen like the the monarchy in england has a very dark like i was reading yesterday about how they've accumulated all their wealth hmm. and it's from pillaging countries for centuries hmm. and that is dark and and is not super reconciled with but but we like the celebrity of it mm. and so it's easier to to i mean the headline died queen elizabeth ii the second british monarch who put her trust in god that's the leading mm -hmm. it's like hey she's a she's one of us and so that's what i see here mostly is you know i don't know yeah it's just a weird yeah it's a weird we live in a weird world 
Sorry, that didn't go anywhere. <laughs> That's fair. Now, sometimes, Tim, I open my mouth and um, a cul-de-sac comes out. And um, so it's okay. <laughs> a verbal cul-de-sac happens. So it's just, just I'm fine. I'm just wandering in the woods. Yes, the wanderer. Susie, what are, what are you, like, how does this strike you? Well, initially, how it came to me was through a tweet that was calling it out for being so sensational, the mm, publication for yeah. being so sensational. And that they were, it says something if your top 20 most read stories are about um, controversy and scandal. Are you, I think the tweet said something like, yes. are you? Are you killing the church yes. <laughs> yourself? Yes. And that was interesting because it does feel a little National Enquirer-ish, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, it does feel a little bit like, hey, we're going to call our people into account. And yeah. so I do appreciate, I have appreciated CT's reporting on some of these things in terms of telling the truth about ourselves mm-hmm. and and you know I the um, the community I used to be a part of there were a few people there who used to talk a lot about calling calling the church to repentance and how nothing's ever going to change if we don't repent and you hear that theme which is a biblical theme of course but you hear it you know, we heard it during um, the the peak of 2020 with the George Floyd stuff, mm-hmm. and we heard it a little bit during Me Too and things like that. We heard about like corporate repentance and the necessity to do it, but I don't know. It just it feels a little bit that there is a sense of that. Like these are our these are some of our people and this is what's mm. happening and we do mm-hmm. need to bring it to light and we yeah. need to to not 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 talk about it because it's not being talked about widely in other places yeah so i have i have a bit of appreciation for that and mm. at the same time i do think that it's a bit sensational and i am curious about the fact that it is very white and mm-hmm. Someone made a comment about how how come people aren't reading, you know, stories about the small church doing all these great things. Well, yeah, I don't know. But I mean, CT does report on some of that stuff, too. And yeah. other other places you have stories about it, other places, too. But I think the ones that are highlighted there are the ones that really bring out the the most severe places in our yeah. lives oh, together. I'm curious then with that because th- these are so I think that's interesting the, these are the top stories that people read so we are attracted to car accidents we all slow down to stare and try to see what carnage is seen and so this list shows that also we are attracted to controversy and whatever so then it's like okay CT is a business uh, and they know that people are going to want to read these stories and they should comment on the stories. So then it's like, well, so what do you do with that platform? What do you do with that power? Uh, you know, people are going to read something that's about Matt Chandler or Falwell or, or whatever. So then what do you do with that? That's what I think is kind of interesting because like people, these are the ones that people chose to read the most. So then what do you do with that platform? 
that and then, and, and, yeah go ahead sorry sorry i just think that's a really interesting that's a really it is sensational we're attracted to the sensational so what do you do with that that's positive yes. and then plus two like one of the articles is about like stop cheering on um pastors who publicly confess their sins and that's a big thing right and there we've talked about how many pastors they will flaunt their weaknesses from the pulpit and that gives them the pass to indulge in those weaknesses. It's like, I told you already, I, I showed you my where I fall short. And so now that I've shown you that, you can't really be mad at me for it. I, I, I showed you my weaknesses. Mm. So we it, it's kind of like a flip of that coin and how we love the transparency and we love the willingness to admit fault and allow people to continue down that track because they were open and honest about it. Like, I yeah. wonder what the CT, what has changed since they, it was great that they exposed themselves. Sorry. It's great that they, <laughs> yes, <it's> great. <laughs> they reported, the they reported they on themselves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> reported on themselves, man. Um, but then what changes after that? Right. Or is that just a transparency model too, where it's like, Hey, look at, Yes, we also are being open and honest about the abuse here. I wonder if the cl if the climate there has changed or not. Right. I have no idea, but you know, that is leading with something sensational. Look at us reporting on ourselves and then but how do you use that platform to help change other institutions that are committing the same yeah. problems? So, so all of that, man. Amen. I feel like for people who really struggle with why are why why are so many people leaving and deconstructing the church? Um, I mean, there's there's one answer at there's least. Twenty reasons right here. I mean, yeah. Well, and I think <laughs> the reason why it's so widely read is because it's affirming yes. to those people who have had those experiences in smaller churches. Yeah, and they're seeing like, oh, this is this is a widely this is a widely experienced issue. Yeah. And so it's not just me. I'm not crazy. I didn't just imagine these things happen to me. That's well, good, Sus. What was the video? Remember the video of the woman? They were affirming the pastor for um, talking oh about. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. then she walked up there and was like, it was me. And this is the scenario. And then everybody still continued to pray for the pastor. Right. So I, I wonder if, like, with what you're saying, Susie, with if you're that woman and you see something like someone with the platform of Matt Chandler um, being brought to light, and then you read the article and find out that after three months he's been. It, I, I don't know. It, it's an interesting scenario from exactly that perspective of what that says, not only to people who are judging the church from outside, but those who have been so harmed are checking back in and saying, like, has it changed? Or am I still the isolated one for being the abused one, not for being the abuser? And, and and just and, and, and then to blame well the church is too feminine or <laughs> the church is too woke or the whatever you know whatever it is i mean is you know it's it's such incredible blame shifting um and and yes i mean i i want to quote from that thread that Susie referenced um because that's how i i stumbled across this too it's a guy named patrick miller on twitter who really um he 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 leads with when 15 of your top 20 pieces focus on scandals and evangelicalism and nine of those 15 center on celebrity christian drama 
you begin to wonder if CT is making a killing by killing trust in the church. Um, the story gets even darker when you analyze their coverage of celebrities. During the first seven years of Driscoll's ministry, they hardly wrote about him. During the next seven, they mentioned him 108 times. After his plagiarism scandal, they mentioned him 128 times. This culminated in a chart-topping podcast that's being rolled into a, a cultural commentary podcast. Taken together, he says, CT helped create Driscoll by writing tremendous amounts about him, made a killing, cannibalizing him. CT never acknowledged their role with Driscoll, and their a cycle of celebrity creation slash consumption continues in 2022. Hmm. Um, and, and his point is that CT seems fixated not on giving us a positive vision for Christianity tomorrow, but instead liquidating institutional trust and building a platform off the sins of Christianity yesterday. So, so I don't know that that's accurate. These are what we consumed, not just the only twenty that they, you know, promoted or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, but I like I like the acknowledgement that there's a dark kind of synergy here, similar to what we just discussed about churches and events, where. Um, and, and I have no idea how revenue works, uh, you know, without paper magazines and all of those sorts of things. So I have no idea how much of that's generated by it. But the dynamics of both perpetuating and reporting on the dynamics of, you know, sexual abuse or sexual scandal or whatever, that's a tough, that's a tough thing to kind of like pull out and weed out, like where, where responsibility begins and ends. And um, I'm with you, Susie. I like that they reported their own scandal. But there is a there is a sense that, um, uh, and I, I mean, his, the, the Patrick's tweets assume the institutional church is something we want to keep trust in. Um, which I don't know that I agree with that necessarily. I don't I don't think the the versions. I mean, like the institution of church isn't a biblical thing. The, the bride of Christ is a biblical thing, and I have trust in that. Why would I want to have trust in the institutional church? I mean, that, mm. yeah, it, it's, it's contributing to the harm in our world. So, yeah, burn it. Absolutely. Um, well, and it's had several different expressions and iterations throughout the centuries. So, Come on. Come on, church which history. Institution, which institution are we putting our trust in if we're going to go with institutional trust? <laughs> yes. I mean. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So to, to beat up on marginalized people um, for what is so obviously a broken and unjust system, right? I mean, it's just the height of not repentance, of absolutely the opposite of whatever repentance is, right? I mean, it, it's it's mind-blowing to me that, you can, that, that people can sit there and say, yeah, yeah, people are deconstructing because it's sexy and not admit, as Susie, exactly what you were talking about, the, the gallons, the millions of gallons of pain and tears that sit behind those stories. That's the point, is that those stories all represent thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people and their woundedness, their hurt, their shame, their whatever. So I don't know, man, I, 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 sit, I sit and this, this list gives me hope because <laughs> it does, ironically it does, because as we've said before, Jesus is not letting us get away with this shit anymore. Right. He's just not. 
like the spirit i mean you talk you, this is what revival looks like kids it's not the swimming swimming it's not <laughs> sweeping or screaming concerts with all hands in the air and peaceful expressions it looks like exposure of darkness and repentance into the light that's what it looks like that's well, what it I looks think, like i i agree i think that the it's i want to figure out how can i word this do it i want to i want to fit well i don't want to be offensive with the front part of it some oh, self-editing oh oh i want oh. to be how do we become for things rather than against things? Maybe that's the easiest way to ask that. Like, yeah, we can be guilty on the podcast of hitting these big moments and talking about this kind of stuff. Ooh, and so we can be guilty of throwing kerosene on the fire. Yeah, I don't want to be that person. And this is speaking yeah. from somebody who is a, a I, I well understand my cynicism in the world, especially towards the church. Yeah. Um, but how can we be for, so like what you just said in kind of separating the, the church from the bride of Christ, right? Yeah. I think that's a wonderful, visual, perfect distinction to kind of make that. How do you be for, how do you be for the yeah. bride of Christ while acknowledging um, the discrepancies in the church and that kind of stuff? How do you? You know, and so we've seen so good, movements that become only against things, not for anything. Yeah. And so you're constantly shifting because you're afraid of. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, let's let's take the analogy and use it like every other good pastor does with marriage. Right. <laughs> marriage. <laughs> so marriage. how are you for how are you for your spouse and still acknowledging the things that need? Yes. You know, fixing in your relationship. It doesn't happen unless you talk about it yeah. and you bring it out and and then when it's done in a in a good and healthy way then there's even more intimacy there in the relationship totally so that's what i think has been missing for so long is not acknowledging these things i mean everybody loves repentance but nobody likes brokenness <laughs> you know come on like i want to i want to be a person who you know, is marked by repentance, but I don't want to go through the breaking that leads to the repentance. Yeah. yeah. I want to avoid pain at all costs and I want to avoid confrontation and all those things that, that hurt me and, and bring me to that place of repentance. And I think that's a human, that's the human problem, right? Yeah. Yep. That's right. Well, and with how we've built shame and we've built guilt into the system as such large they're the biggest motivators for decision-making or I guess more so for calling people out on things. And so repentance becomes hard when we have, we have, you know, branded the shame and the guilt onto it. So it's interesting. And I, we've talked about a lot too, how repentance, I grew up with the idea of repentance being confession or being like, just saying, Hey, this right. is, Hey God, right. I did this wrong. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Okay. And to see that complete posture shift in a community, like the marriage thing is great because sitting as somebody who's in therapy with my wife now, when you sit down with a person who is wiser than you in that situation and can communally speak into the things Susie, that you just said is, is so important because it gives you the ability to continue to love and lean in while pulling 
you know, little cancer yeah. polyps out. So it's like, it's, it's important. <laughs> <laughs> There's the, the colonoscopy analogy never gets old, <laughs> but it's so true. Like it, we, cause the other, what's the flip of that, Susie, the, the other version of that is you either allow the, those things to fester and your relationship dies or you just continually call it out in one another. I'm the victim. You're the person who has made this marriage difficult and you go at them and you develop so much resentment that then it's no longer feasible. So or you just ignore it and continue to permeate a really toxic culture in your yeah. marriage that then gets passed on to your kids and you know, it becomes the culture of your family. And it's their model that they understand as what yeah. works. So and I think yeah. that's a great analogy. And then again, like that's being for your marriage rather than being against what I think my wife is doing incorrectly. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think the that's thing, a really in interesting distinction. And what you said too, Tim was so interesting that what the way that we grew up being told that confession was repentance and confusing the two, because mm. I, you know, um, I, I've walked through a couple of, scenarios in churches where there's been a change in leadership <laughs> because of yeah. choices made <laughs> and like you know the question always comes up inevitably from people like well why can't why can't this person still be our pastor they've repented right mm -hmm. you know and that's and it's so like good. well so good, i don't Susie. know that they've repented or 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 it comes up with like, well, no, he should not be in ministry at all because he has not repented. Right. Well, if repentance is actually turning around and going in a different direction, yeah, then that in and of itself takes time. It takes time to get there. Totally. And, you know, there was a scenario that where, you know, this person was being criticized for not being repentant and it was really hard to say anything about that because... You know, mm -hmm. we don't know. We don't know what's changed in that person's life. We That's don't right. know what's changed in their marriage. We don't know if they did come back and take a leadership position, what that would look like in a different way because they just haven't gotten to that point yet. And so we want an instant like, well, are they repentant or not? So we can right. decide where to place them in our community, right. in our hearts, in our lives. And we just, we don't always get to see that. And I think the thing that I where I have compassion for some of these guys like Chandler is like, we're not a part of those. We're not a part of those conversations with that elder team or that church community, the ones that are invested in it, in his family. We don't know where that repentance is actually what that looks like. We don't even really, I mean, there weren't, weren't even any details, which I know is part of the problem with what some people have said. There are no details as to what exactly went down in that scenario. And so how do we know if he's repentant or not? And is it even our responsibility to know because we're not a part of that community? Right. right. I, See, I wonder if it is it their responsibility to model that since he has such a big platform, is it yeah. their responsibility because of the fact that everybody sees that and what they see on the surface is another church that seems to be sweeping it under and just restoring him and saying, hey, this is his place, which again, like you're saying, may be true, 
but they're not modeling it in a way that people can understand that the church is doing the work or that he right and he does have a very big platform like people that don't even huge. aren't even a part of the yeah. community they they tune in and listen to him and feel pastored by him so yes you're right tim i think we just asked the wrong questions about most things like so in youth ministry what was one of the biggest questions that you would get from high school boys how far is too far? How far is too far? Exactly. <laughs> See? And so it was, it, you know, it, when I was 22 and trying to answer that question doing youth ministry, that was a difficult question to, I was wrestling it with it myself. But now when I look at it, it's like, that's not the right question. And so reframing questions for kids is um, a great way to help them have the tools to sort through information on their own sometimes or to, to critically think about something. But we seem to be two-dimensional with everything that we do so we want a quick answer did he repent great let's move on um what the less i know about the blood flesh and blood about a situation the easier it is for me to move forward so all of these headlines are kind of two-dimensional headlines right and i feel like they're not really asking the right questions and they're not modeling that for the world at large at all yeah. so the world sees the church that just continually hides abuse mostly sexually um, but obviously over history, power and different things. And we're not modeling repentance. We're not modeling confession. We're mo not modeling any of that. Instead, we just see this, and this is the top 20. So yeah. it'd be interesting to see those from the other perspective or, you know, I haven't watched the Falwell Hulu thing yet. Um, <laughs> then they make a documentary about the pool boy or whatever, but yeah um that's the inevitability of that conversation because of how that's handled yeah so, well i think I, I i'm gonna wrap us up after this comment go ahead <laughs> it's okay do no. it no i want to hear it <laughs> well i was just gonna say i did watch harry and megan this week <laughs> <laughs> wow so uh, so you're up to speed yeah. on the uh, monarchy. Mm -hmm. well, I'm up here, to speed on the monarchy. I'll, let me give one more example, one tiny one. I watched the Kennedy Center Honors last night and because U2 was being honored, and Eddie sings both the U2 songs. And while I was watching it, I got really emotional over the, um, the Amy Grant stuff because it was mm -hmm. the same week where she's getting publicly just torn apart for hosting her niece's... Um, wedding on her property and and who's marrying another woman and so it's like this franklin graham everybody was going after amy grant again do you, amy grant's response to it nothing she's just hosting this thing because she loves them she said something about god taught us to love everybody or i don't know whatever and so i see this woman that was part of the the machine that i grew up in and I see her trying to just, she just doesn't engage it anymore. And she's just living an example that's dramatically different. She doesn't deny her faith in any of that. She actually like leads in her faith with how she's conducting herself in the public sphere. And I was just really encouraged by it. It was like Brandy Carlisle, like a very outspoken lesbian singing Amy Grant's songs with Michael W. Smith. <laughs> playing the piano part who has had his own tumultuous journey and i just thought i thought it was very beautiful and i thought it was a great example of somebody doing the opposite of what most of these people in these articles have been doing that's awesome all right go amy grant go el shaddai well thank you all for tuning in thank you Susie. thank you timothy thanks for having me you guys are awesome till next time friends see you next year
Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this conversation. Voxology is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners just like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash Voxology. You can also join the community and hang out and chat with us on the socials facebook.com backslash voxology podcast and on instagram at voxology thank you thank you thank you for walking the long road with us